Welcome to the Swim Swim Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, she is an NCAA All-American, a five-time European champion. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing 10-time European medalist between long course and short course. She holds Dutch records in backstroke. Uh, Kira Toussaint. Kira, how's it going? I'm very doing very well. Thank you. Let's let's start with the present. You're in you're in Rome right now, as you say. What what are you doing there? What's up in Rome? Um, we are with my uh, Amsterdam-based squad. We are on a three-week training camp here. It uh, was our first time traveling since the whole Corona pandemic started in the beginning of for well, at least for us, it started in the beginning of March. Um, so it was a little um it's very exciting to be traveling and to be away for swimming and also to be able to focus completely on swimming um it's very nice we traveled with these face masks and then with um like uh i don't know how you call it in english but something that a dentist wears (laughs) yes the face shields um so that was interesting but at least made sure that we could travel um so that was very nice that that sounds super cool uh how's the training camp been and and what has it been like to like you said just to be able to focus on swimming after you know after six months of kind of crazy global pandemic mode um it actually been has been very nice um the first week uh we had very nice weather now we have had four trainings in rain which is not, it's totally okay, but um, I'm not very used to raining in Rome. So um, it's a little adjustment to that, but it actually has been, it has been great. Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, more kilometers than I've been doing in the last six months. So (laughs) I'm a little dead right now, but I'm getting there. Uh, so, so let's, let's talk about those last few months. Um, what, what did your quarantine situation look like, you know, from, from mid-March when everything globally kind of shut down, um, how were you able to stay, you know, in shape, whatever that meant for you? Um, it was a, it was a little crazy time because, um, I don't know the exact dates, but it was in the second week of March. And on the beginning of the week, we got some more restrictions in our local pool that, for example, we had to um, enter in a different entrance, and but we could still do our normal training. Then on uh, a Friday of that week, we heard we uh, maybe. Then on Friday night, we heard we were going the next day in quarantine in a monastery somewhere like two hour driving from um, Amsterdam. Uh, I think we lost Kira for a sec. 
I have been told the the hotel Wi-Fi in Rome isn't amazing. Just stayed there for one. Am I back? You're back. You're back. So where did I end? Uh, you, so two-hour quarantine in a monastery. Sorry, mo- quarantine monastery, two hours from Amsterdam. Uh, yeah. So we actually we, we drove there. We packed stuff. I well, I packed stuff for like three months because I was like, I have no idea if I'm gonna stay here for three months or five months or maybe two days. Mm-hmm. So then we actually um, slept there for one night. We had a, a swim in the pool that was one minute walk from the monastery and that they locked completely for us. And then we went home again because the um, the government decided that all national sports programs had to stop training. So that was really weird. Um, then we didn't do anything for two weeks. So I just started running, walking, biking, uh, board somebody's um, professional cyclist bike. Um, not very good at that. Um, <laughs> but then we actually had a chance to like an hour driving from Amsterdam for what is it, two months um, to train once a day. And then, yeah, then we, in May, I think the 1st of May, they started up uh, opening the local pool in Amsterdam, again, only for our team. So then we could start training um, there again. And yeah, then we started back up like normal. So that was just, what is it? Two. Well, we only actually was, we're out of the pool for two weeks. Okay. So, so I lost you again, I guess. Oh, you're back now. Yeah. So really, really not too bad. Um, it seems like, you know, if you're only out of the pool for two weeks, that's a, I think that's a lot shorter than a lot of, uh, of us here in the U S obviously everyone's situation, very different. Um, but that's really cool to hear. You are also back in competition pretty soon compared to a lot of your other uh, pretty soon compared to a lot of other people. Um, I mean, I know you raced May 16th, um, in a meet and you, you dropped 009 in the hundred back. Um, what was racing for the first time after that quarantine period? Like, well, those races were actually, were not official races. They were just like, we put on, um, touching pads in our low, in our, in our pool and we just, went on the block and raced and we timed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very nice. It's just actual race, I think. And it was nice to be able to do something um, compared to a lot of other people. We were very lucky that we at least could do something. But we also had a competition in Hengelo. Uh, it's just also a city in the Netherlands. Um, in the second weekend of August. And that was the first actual competition we did. Um, there were only Dutch swimmers and there were very strict Corona rules, which also made it a very weird competition. But it was nice that we could do like a three-day meet with heats and finals. Um, and it's probably nice to 
have done it one time because it's probably going to be how a lot of competitions are going to be in the next year. Yeah. I guess. So, yeah. It it certainly seems like it. How how do you feel like that meet went for you? What was your experience like at you know, like you said in such a weird environment? Um I went uh, 004. Uh, it wasn't a very good competition for me. Uh, to be honest, I my my focus was a little bit off in the in the months that we were able to train once a day. Um, it was I for me it was very hard because I was working so much like focusing on the Olympic Games. Um, well, like everybody else, I guess, but. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me to uh, keep the focus on long term in mind. So, well, double oh four was, I guess, the best I could do in August. But, I mean, I'm not in professional swimming to swim double oh four, so I wasn't really um, happy with it. But it also gave me a signal, like, okay, now the real work is gonna start again. So after that competition, we had a one week break, and then. Uh, we started back up, and um, I really needed a break to, uh, yeah, to just swimming for a, a, a while, and then to be fresh to start for this Olympic season. I, I think a lot of people have. Talked I hope about you didn't lose me again. <laughs> I, I I got all, oh. I got all the audio. I could hear. Okay, you. good. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people have talked about how important that break had been, uh, like in August, you know, I think a lot of people took, took various breaks depending on how, how often they could swim. And, um, even, even those people were kind of like, yeah, I took a break in August because I think mentally, emotionally just kind of needed a refresh and then being able to get back in the pool. Yeah. Big difference. No, yeah, for sure. I also moved places, so it was also nice to spend some time in my new house. Oh, nice. Um, I actually slept more nights for the next year to have to spend more nights in a hotel, but that's okay. <laughs> the life of a professional athlete. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you travel a lot. Uh, before quarantine, how much were you traveling in the past year? Um, I was gone for, I think seven and a half months of out of the 12 months. Yeah. So that, that was a lot, uh, but it's also very fun. <laughs> That's, uh, that sounds super cool. It's, you know, it sounds like a lot, like you said, you, you spent more time on the road than, uh, in your house, which, which can, which can be good and bad. Um, what was, what was some of your favorite places experiences things you got to do in those seven and a half months on the road um actually the time um the season 2019-20 started with a short course season but also long course world cups and it was very cool because i had a block of um a lot of competitions in a row um first long course short course long course short course and then it ended with the European Short Course Championships. And uh, there was an ISL competition in London in there. 
and then all the World Cups. And it was very fun because, like, every race I did in those three months, um, I got better. So it was uh, racing. I learned something, racing again, learning something again, racing again, which was, um, yeah, a very fun time because it led to uh, my first two gold medals at the European Short Course Championships individually. So, yeah, that was just a very fun um, period. Uh, yeah. You, so leading up to those two individuals, uh, individual golds at the 2019 European Short Course Championships, uh, Kira won the 50 and the 100 backstroke at that meet. She also won gold in the 400, or sorry, in the 200 free relay. Uh, silver in the mixed 200 medley relay and bronze in the 200 backstroke. Uh, and leading up to that meet, like you said, you went to ISL, you went to World Cups, you broke the Dutch record long course in the 50 and 100 backstroke several times. I think you broke the short course meter 50, 100 backstroke records several times as well. Um, like you said, you were learning every time you were racing. Have you ever been really in an environment like that where you could just get instant feedback and then instantly apply it to that next race? Well, it's, I, I think I've been there before. Yeah. But I think I never used it as well as I did now. It was also, uh, we train in a way that we use the competitions as training. So by doing that I could be fast every like every other weekend which is um, I don't know which if you look at the traditional way of swim training is pretty weird if you can be fast every other weekend um, but we did a lot of meters um, easy swimming and then the competition was the like the pace sets in it so then just analyzing the race, um, well, you always, make, you always make mistakes in races. So just to do one thing better the next time and then see if it works. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. And somehow it just worked out every time this period, um, which is, of course, very fun. But I hope to get another period like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and like you said, I think, you know, the maturation of an athlete, uh, it, you know, you, you grow and grow. And as you start perfecting your craft, um, you learn how to take things and, and put them into place more and more. I think we're seeing that trend of people being able to go fast more often, more than just at, a, at an Olympics or a world championships or European championships. Um, and during that period, you also broke out of the 50, 100 backstroke a little bit. Um, like we said, you, you bronze medal in the 200 short course backstroke. Then you also broke uh, another more unofficial record. Um, you took down your mom's best time. You broke a family record in the 200 long course backstroke. She had won gold at the 1984 Olympic Games uh, in L.A., uh, her best time was 2.12.38, and you went 2.11.79 uh, at at the World Cup meet in Berlin. Tell me Berlin, about that. yeah. T tell me about that experience, uh, and, and was that a goal going in for sure? 
Well, I always have a, a love-hate relationship with the two and the backstroke, especially on long course. It's like, I don't know. I, it's just every time I try, 17, I went to 13, uh, eight years later before I actually got my mom's time. And this time in Berlin, um, I always entered the 100 free and the 200 back for every World Cup. And then on the day before, I decide which one I'm going to do. So this time I was like, okay, the 100 went so well, the 50 went so well, I'm going to try the 200. And um, I don't know, I just saw the girl in an, uh, in, on the other outside um, of the pool. And I was like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get you. I'm just going to race uh, per se about that competition. It just worked out that time. And I called my mom immediately after, and I was like, okay, I'm never going to do this again. Uh, <laughs> it's your turn. When you're faster, you, I will try it again. And then uh, two weeks later, I did it again. So, um, yeah. It's a love-hate relationship. And he's gone. No. Oh, oh, we've got you now. You were, no, you're, you're back or not? I'm back. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, we're, we're cutting in and out a little yes. bit. We're, we're dealing with spotty Wi-Fi connections oh. and cross-country uh, Zoom calls, but that's okay. Uh, so I, I think love-hate relationship is, is how many swimmers would describe their relationship with their 200s of stroke. It can it can be a heavy burden a, a lot of times, but it can also turn out really well and, and like that. That's such a cool story, um, which which I've I've got to ask a little a little more about. Like we said, your mom wins gold in the two hundred back at the nineteen eighty four Summer Olympics. Growing up, you know, did you realize when did you realize you're like oh wow like mom was like the best swimmer of you know one of the best swimmers of her time. Um, did, was that a factor in you swimming as well? Well, actually it's like if your parent or if your dad or your mom is a dentist, it's very normal that dentists are very normal to so mom was an Olympic champion. That was very normal to me. Um, 15, how, how cool it actually was or how, um, special that not many people that I realized when I was 14 or 15 years old that how cool it is to have an Olympic champion as a parent. And as a young girl, people always ask me, oh, are you gonna follow your mom in, your, in, like, in her footsteps? And I was, when I was a young girl, I was always very like, um, I, know, I was like, no, I wanna be my own person. Like, I don't wanna be my mom, even though I also wrote down, um, as a kid, like if people ask, like, what do you want to be when you're old? I always wrote down Olympic champion, but I really wanted to be my um, own person all, uh, already from a young girl. So that, I don't know, that really followed me um, till later on because people kept asking me, well, are you going to follow your mom um, 
or in her footsteps. And then it's like, how many people are going to be Olympic champion? It kind of puts a lot of pressure on it. So, um, I don't know. The Dutch press also always wrote uh, the daughter of uh, Yolanda de Rover. And I remember the first time they didn't do that, um, my roommate, Femke Heemskerk, is all, oh, Femke, I guess you say in English, <laughs> is always my roommate when traveling. And she um, actually sent me a screenshot of it because they wrote Kira Toussaint, um, blah, 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 blah. And then she's also the daughter of uh, Olympic swimming champion. So then the story changed. Like I... I was my own person. I had my own accomplishments. And then I was my mom's daughter. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, you, you, you kind of, <clears throat> you grew up as your mother's daughter and then you, you solidified your, your own uh, legacy uh, with your swimming, which is super cool to see while using your mom as an inspiration. Um, so you grew up with this Olympic, Olympic medalist mother, you started your swimming career in the Netherlands, you come to the US, uh, you competed at Tennessee for two years. Tell me a little bit about your collegiate experience and what you gained uh, from swimming and competing in the United States. Um, I remember the first time, uh, or the first week I was at Tennessee, uh, for my junior year, my coach was like, I was swimming backstroke, and he was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, uh, or, and I'm like, well, this is how I learned to swim backstroke. And he's like, no, we're going to, no, no, this is wrong. We're going to teach you completely different. <laughs> so that was, that was interesting. Um, it was Matt Kredich that told me that. Um, and I'm, I'm very thankful that he did that because then he taught me to swim backstroke completely different. And well, I'm still using the technique that they taught me at Tennessee. And um, yeah, well, I guess it really works out for me right now. <laughs> um, I also had a really fun time those two years. Like I fe really felt like home for me. Um, I had a hard time uh, deciding to leave, but um, I guess it was the best option for me at that time. I also had a boyfriend in the Netherlands, so who is now my fiance, mm -hmm. but that really helped for making my decision as well. But um, I had a really good time. I'm very thankful for the experiences I got there. I think I really learned how to race because of the weekly competitions, the um, dual meets, the, um, the so much fun at SECs and NCAAs. Um, yeah, I think I really, brought that to how I approach my races still today. Yeah, that it, it's, you know, you had a lot of success at Tennessee, obviously, as we mentioned before, NCAA All-American, um, all four years in college. And, uh, and then you go back to the Netherlands. And it seems like, it, you know, you, it seems like you came back to the Netherlands, like you said, kind of a transformed swimmer. And uh, it's, it really started showing in, in your international swims um what was it like to kind of make that ascension onto onto that into that group of dutch elite swimmers who's you know who have had a lot of success in the past 
like you said, Femke Hameskirk, Renomi Chroma with JoJo, just, you know, they're obviously the top end, but you've now kind of ascended into that top end as well. Um, what's it been like to be a part of that crew? Well, um, I also uh, learned how to swim freestyle at Tennessee. That was the first time I actually uh, started to do freestyle as well. I never did that before. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's because they needed me for the relays. And then in 2016, I decided to swim 100 freestyle at trials just because I was like, yeah, let's try it. And I went up PB by like a second and a half, but it was like 55.9. So that was not really fast. Yeah. And then um, I decided I wanted to be in the relay. Like that was always, I wanted to, the Dutch 4x100 freestyle relay has always been so good. And it's something like I think a lot of girls want to be a part of. So um, I started to do more freestyle training. Um, and I actually called myself a wannabe all the time because I just wanted to be <laughs> in that relay. Um, and then in 2018, at the European Long Course Championships in Glasgow, I actually made it to the relay for the first time and we won a silver medal. And for me, that was my first uh, long course uh, European Championships medal. So I was very, very happy, very excited. And I remember looking at uh, Renomi and Femke, and they were actually disappointed because they lost the gold medal. And I just had won uh, the sil silver medal. So we got out of that race completely different, you know? And I was like, guys, we just won a silver medal. So, um, <laughs> that changed their perspective a little bit as well. And I'm still, I'm so it's uh, for me, it's so cool to be part of that relay to be able to swim and compete with those two girls. They are such a big part of Dutch swimming. Um, and yeah, that's very exciting. That was also the biggest reason why I was so sad to leave the world short course championships in 2018 because, mm -hmm. because that, was my chance to like uh, win relays with them for the first time for me. So um, yeah, it's, it's very like, maybe I'm not a wannabe anymore. Maybe I'm actually a part of it right now, but yeah, that's something I always wanted to be a part of. Yeah. I, I, I think it's super cool to hear hear you ascending to that level. If you if you have if you've never seen Kira swim, um, certainly in the NCAA, uh, I'm guessing now on the international stage, her underwaters are lethal. Um, and and now after after having been at Tennessee, uh, she has that that top arm recovery on her backstroke breakout, um, which is patented Matt Kreditch. But uh, you know it would have been super cool to see you compete on those relays especially at the at the short course world championships because i think it you know you guys you guys would have racked up some medals there for sure um they actually did without me they had two silver medals in relays okay. yeah i'm pretty sure so still um yeah they still did really well Just yeah and i mean if if you don't know they won uh, I know Renomi won the a gold medal at the 2008 Olympics in the foreign free relay. 2012. Femke she, did as well. 
Okay. I wasn't sure yeah. if Femco was on that relay, but yeah. so they, they've been a staple for over a decade in, uh, in Dutch relays and they're still, they're still kicking butt, um, at, on those relays. And now, uh, and now we've got Kira as, as a member of those as well. Let's, let's switch to a uh, more short course to ISL. You swam it, it was it just at the London meet last year for yes. ISL? Okay. I just said what that one. Okay. And the reason behind that was um, because long course World Cups were more important because of the Olympic season. So uh, I managed to fit one of them in. And I was really sad about it. But I think uh, it was the right decision to make. I think that makes sense. I think, yeah, everyone was kind of weighing the options with ISL and how should I, you know, how much, how much focus should I put in this versus my Olympic preparation? And I think, you know, every athlete came to that decision on their own and uh, you know, you made yours and it seemed like it pay off. You get second in both the 50 and the hundred free, sorry, 50, hundred backstroke at that London meet. Yeah. Um, tell me about, tell me about the environment and what, what you gained from ISL and and what you're excited about now that you have signed with the London Roar for this 2020 season. Oh, yeah. It was just the, the meet in London. It was so much fun. Like, the atmosphere in the pool, it was, it was insane. Um, and the reason I decided to sign with the London team was because they had a good team. Like... I thought it would be awesome to be uh, swimming with Minna Etterton in the 50 and 100 back. Also, well, that's not going to happen anymore because the Australians aren't coming anymore. So that's a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a bummer. But yeah, I'm very excited to compete again. I just hope everything is going to work out. I think it will because the ISL has a very good Corona, um, how you say that, plan. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just actual do real races. Okay. I th- I think we still got you. I lost you for a second, but yeah, you're back. Oh. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I think I think most athletes are pretty excited about the the coming ISL season, like you said getting some real races in and getting a lot of them in uh, much like you did last fall, you know, back to back to back and having um, being around the same competition, the same athletes. Uh, a lot, a, a lot of people I've talked to have said it, you know, they're looking forward to it. It could be pretty unique environment and pretty valuable, especially heading into this uh, 2021 now Olympic season. Yeah. Um, so, so to wrap up our conversation, um heading you know the the isl starts in less than i think four weeks maybe less than that at this point Uh, we i'm traveling there in three weeks yeah three weeks all right so you're traveling in three weeks between now and then in these next three weeks um like you said you're in rome you're in training camp you're doing some heavy kilometers um what are your goals heading into the isl just you know what are you doing to, to prepare yourself for that kind of racing environment um, nothing different than I did last season, just, uh, doing all like getting a lot of work done now and training camp. Then we have one week of recovery at home. Um, 
and then it's already time to fly there um, and head there. I think we have to be in quarantine for two days after we arrive. And then um, I'm going to train straight through the like the whole training camp there. And I haven't really talked about how with my coach about how we're going to prepare for racing, but I think it's just like last year race, learn something, race again. And um, yeah, that will be very fun. The, the, there's one thing a little, um, we have our Olympic trials in December. Our, our last only chance is in December. Mm-hmm. And that, uh made me decide to leave the training or the the camp in budapest probably a little bit earlier um so i won't be competing in all competitions but um yeah it's again the choice for the olympic season yeah and uh last question you you made the Olympics in 2016. You represented the Netherlands there. You're you're an Olympian for the rest of your life. Um, wh- what will it mean to you to go to be able to go to a second Olympics in 2021, um, especially given you know the growth and progress in your career that you've made up to this point? Um, I think a second Olympics will be really special. Um, I just really hope that my uh, my mom. And my fiance can be there because I, I I know that's maybe not a big chance because of the corona pandemic, but that may, would make it a lot like more special for me. The my goal is to making an Olympic final and to be in the uh, in the hundred back and also to be part of the Dutch relay in the four by one hundred freestyle. And I think we can do pretty well in the mixed medley relay as well, but. Um, yeah making finals swimming finals um, that's that's the goal well Kira thank you so much for your time I know we've had some connection issues but uh, it's so great to hear from you I'm I'm glad to hear that you're doing well and I'm excited to watch uh, how the ISL unfolds for you thanks again thank you You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.